When those nice little Republican boys and girls left home to come to Washington, they promised their friends and neighbors they'd clean out the Augean stables, cut taxes and spending, and come home lickety-split. Well, they've spent a little time in town, seen the elephant, and apparently decided all those big city vices ain't so bad after all. So now we have the party of big government and the party of really big government. And with us to discuss how we got here and where we go from here are David Bowes, Cato Executive Vice President, and Jim Powell, Cato Senior Fellow and publisher of Laser Fair Books and the author of the new volume, FDR's Folly, How Roosevelt and His New Deal Prolonged the Great Depression, which is available at CatoStore.org. Welcome and thanks for being here. My pleasure. Uh, David Bowes, George W. Bush campaigned as a fiscal conservative. Uh, when, when did he change his mind? I think if you were reading Bush's speeches carefully, you would have seen that that was a dubious promise from the beginning. But if you listen to the big speeches, if you watch the debates, if you listen to the convention acceptance speech, you heard him say, my opponent trusts government, I trust you. My opponent has a vision of bigger government, I'm going to cut taxes. And so you wouldn't have expected what has happened, which is a huge explosion in federal spending, a vast expansion of the welfare state with the Medicare prescription drug bill, centralization of education, a, a panoply of energy subsidies in the energy bill, and I don't think very many Republican voters thought that's what they were going to be getting. Um, what happened? Well, obviously one thing that happens is Republicans come to Washington. We don't have term limits, so they stay here forever. They have gerrymandered their districts, so they rarely face uh, any difficulty in re-election, and they get very comfortable with being a ruling class. I think that's one of the problems that's happened. Lord Acton's dictum, huh? That's right. Power is corrupting. Uh, power certainly seems to be corrupting to people who come to Congress. Uh, Jim Powell, a lot of nominal conservatives are singing the praises of FDR. Are they just singing a popular tune, or do they really believe it? Well, some of them certainly seem to believe it. Uh, part of it is that uh, FDR was a uh, war leader, uh, and that tends to uh, uh, blind people to everything else that he did. Uh, my book, as, as you noted, is about the New Deal and how it prolonged the Great Depression, and conservatives uh, just don't seem to be focusing on that. They're focusing on the uh, personalities, on uh, FDR's charisma, on the election campaigns and all of that, and they have quite forgotten about the consequences of the New Deal, and there has been quite a bit of research on the consequences of the New Deal, which is what I report in the book. And if uh, people better understood how uh, the New Deal harmed the very people who were supposed to have been helped and prolonged joblessness that averaged 17% throughout the New Deal period, I think a lot of conservatives might have a very different view and would feel very uncomfortable indeed uh, saying the the, uh, uh, the the things that they are saying in praise of FDR. Okay, go, uh, just go over a couple of the programs of the New Deal in specifics. Uh. Well, FDR tripled federal taxes between 1933 and 1940. Uh, he, uh, personal income taxes went up, corporate income taxes went up, uh, uh, there were uh, uh, undistributed profits taxes uh, introduced, and the most surprising thing to most people is that the greatest source of New Deal revenue were excise taxes, taxes levied on uh, cigarettes, matches, alcoholic beverages, uh, radios, uh, electricity, movie tickets, 
uh, chewing gum, soft drinks, all kinds of ordinary things that millions of people buy, which means that the New Deal was principally financed on the backs of the middle class and poor people. Uh, uh, until 1937, uh, excise taxes, uh, uh, revenues exceeded the combined revenues from personal income taxes and from corporate taxes, so that when uh, people were listening to a uh, fireside chat, they had to pay excise taxes to FDR for the radio and for the electricity, electricity to, run to turn it on. Yeah, David, it goes back even farther than FDR, maybe to TR, maybe to the Progressive Era. Um, well, it's hard to trace back. You know, the, the the ideas of power and liberty go a long way back, and I'm not sure there's ever been a period in human history that you didn't have those forces contending. But certainly the progressive era and Teddy Roosevelt, um, you got a lot of conservatives these days, like at the Weekly Standard, citing Teddy Roosevelt as a model for modern American conservatives. Roosevelt was a big government conservative at best, uh, a virulent nationalist, um, a person whose racial and ethnic views would not past muster these days. We did an article in Cato Policy Report recently called Teddy Roosevelt, No Friend of the Constitution. Um, he did not believe in the constraints on government and the constraints on the presidency that the Constitution imposed. Yeah, I think but yeah. yes, a lot of these programs had their beginnings in that era. Yeah, I think, uh, was it Joe Cannon said of uh, uh, Theodore Roosevelt that he had about as much Use for the Constitution is as uh, a Tomcat does for marriage license. Uh, I believe I've heard. I believe I've heard that. Yes, I think that was right. So you have the Progressive Era. You have an expansion of government there. Then you have the New Deal. One of the things that Robert Higgs wrote about in his book Crisis and Leviathan is how a lot of the expansion of government comes in time of war or crisis. So you have a Great Depression and a World War. You get a huge expansion of government. And then the problem is when the Depression and the war are over you don't go back to the small government that was considered appropriate then. In the Bush administration, I suppose that's part of what we're seeing. We were attacked on September 11, and some of the increase in government has been a result of that, military spending, homeland security spending, but the peanut quotas and the farm subsidies and the steel tariffs and the Medicare expansion are obviously not in any way related to 9-11. This is just an explosion of government that maybe is related to the fact that people rally around the government in time of war, and so they don't resist these things as much as they should. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that this very same people who were condemning anything that the Clinton administration did because government is the problem all of a sudden are rallying behind the, uh, the Bush administration and anything they do. Well, that's certainly true. You do have a problem. Republicans are much better in opposition than they are uh, when there's a Republican president in office. So uh, there certainly are people these days saying, well, maybe we'd be better off if we had divided government. It's, it's very hard to think of a Democrat that you think would be better than Bush. Um, nevertheless, federal spending is going up faster under the Bush and Republican era than it did under divided government with Clinton as president. So it's a very scary situation. Jim, um, what about the effects of all of these programs and spending on the economy? Well, what they do is gradually run the economy into the ground, make it harder for employers to hire people, harder for the economy to grow. Uh, just following up on the previous question about what Bush is doing with all these things, uh, which has uh, uh, clear parallels with what FDR is doing, I think a lot of what Bush is doing is uh, politically opportunistic. He's going after farm votes. He's going after industrial votes, the steel with the steel tariffs and so on. He's strictly looking at one elect group of 
uh, voters after the other trying to put together a coalition, and the result is a mishmash of bigger, more costly, intrusive government. This is exactly what FDR was doing that led to the mishmash of policies under the New Deal, where uh, they uh, 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 want to uh, uh, bring on uh, businessmen <clears throat> and uh, uh, FDR in 1933 signed the National Industrial Relations uh, 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 Recovery Act that uh, led to 700 cartels uh, that uh, did production cutbacks uh, that forced wages above market levels, uh, discouraging employers from hiring, forced prices above market levels, discouraging consumers from buying. Uh, so then he turns around to farmers who have to pay more for their farm equipment because of the National Industrial Recovery Act, uh, and he orders the destruction of food on a large scale intended to begin forcing up food prices uh, and pays farmers not to grow anything on a portion of their property, again, to force up uh, farm prices, harming the very people who were supposedly benefited by the National Industrial Recovery Act. And, and so it goes back and forth, uh, helping one group, harming another group, then passing another piece of legislation uh, such as Social Security that uh, imposed payroll taxes, which threw hundreds of thousands of people out of work at the same time he's trying to benefit older people. So by the time you get through that process, uh, Roosevelt ended up prolonging the Depression, and uh, I'm afraid that uh, Bush is going to end up doing a lot to slow down the economy and harm people with his mishmash of policies conceived to win voters looking to the next election. So, Jim, what's a libertarian to do? Well, I think the first thing we need to do is to, uh, uh, is, is to alert uh, the hardcore people in this country who uh, understand the problems of big government and to begin speaking out more so that we don't get steamrolled by all these uh, Bush administration people who are strictly looking at the next election and to a lot of uh, conservative intellectuals who feel comfortable with what's happening and just want to go along with it. Uh, so the first thing we need to do is to get more people to speak out in opposition to it. And uh, I think we need more uh, authors who will focus on trying to reach a larger audience. Uh, the uh, uh, libertarians have, have gotten uh, crucially important ideas from academics, uh, and the Nobel Prize winners have been of great importance to us, but we also need more people who are capable of reaching larger audiences, and that means more people focusing on trying to uh, do that. You know, we hear a lot of uh, calls, mostly from the Democrats now, that we need another New Deal. David, um, how do we stop that? <laughs> we we already have several New Deals. We've ju I mean, we've we've just gotten in effect the whole New Deal out of this Medicare bill. Um, how we stop it is that we need political leadership. We need a president or leading members of Congress to speak up against this sort of thing to remind Republicans that they used to stand for limited government and for states' rights and federalism, and they're not doing that. Because of that, it's very important to have people outside the government, think tanks, authors grassroots organizations, but also citizens. A Cato sponsor told me the other day that he had taken my article in the Washington Post about Bush's big government conservatism and handed it to the Republican Senate candidate who dropped by his office looking for a contribution. That's a good thing to do. Every time somebody gets a letter asking them to give money to President Bush, they should mail my article in and say, what's your answer to this? Uh, people have to 
speak up for the values they believe in. So uh, the Republicans don't take libertarians for granted. Well, it's not just libertarians. That's right. They shouldn't take libertarian voters for granted, but they shouldn't take small government conservative voters for granted. And that's, that's a big part of the Republican base. And they should understand that those people are probably not going to find it very easy to vote for a Democrat. But they could vote for a third party, or they could stay home. They could drive by the polling place and notice that the line is awfully long, and maybe it's just not worth standing in line if your choice is between big government liberalism or big government conservatism. Well, uh, we've run out of time, and we can't spend any more time than we have, unlike government. So thank you both for, uh, for being here. Um, David Bowes, Cato Executive Vice President, and Jim Powell, Cato Senior Fellow and publisher of Laissez-Faire Books. Once again, his new volume... FDR's Folly, How Roosevelt and His New Deal Prolonged the Great Depression, is available at CatoStore.org. And thank you both for being here. Thank you. Thank you.